Hello, hello. Alex, hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Thank you. This is awesome. So um, we have a uh, very interesting space tonight, and we have a special guest who has ju just joined here. Uh, his name is Odran, and uh, he is a fun legal counsel, according to his own Twitter and LinkedIn description. But most importantly, he understands things that we've been talking about with the like in many community chats uh, for a long time, which is the mysterious European regulation called Mika. And uh, uh, also we're going to ask some questions about GDPR and other things and how these are related to crypto. So uh, I would only welcome you can click on the request whenever you want to speak and we will add you to the speakers list. Um, and just for like a couple of small announcements and things to discuss before we start with the main topic tonight. Um, so first of all, um, the 7.4 Warnot is being released to Dubnet as we speak. Probably by the end of the space it will be out, I think. Uh, there are some fixes that we're doing in the build, but this version is going to Dubnet and then it means that if everything goes well, we will test it and uh, next week we will release it to mainnet, which is a good uh, progress. Nice. And the reverse bridges are also moving forward, even though it's been a long time since we were supposed to have them out, but this is hopefully also happening by the end of next week. So these things are, you know, are moving great. Um, I've promised that uh, I'm going to uh, also talk at some point about the proposal uh, from BB uh, about a different allocation from the B for BMAX rewards to different pools in order to better incentivize um, uh, the wrapped uh, USDT and uh, Ethereum on BIM uh, pools that are kind of moved through the bridge into the DEX. So, yeah, uh, I hope I will get that at the end of the space, if not uh, in the next one, but I will also definitely reply in the forum. And also, um, so we will discuss it during the week. But it's a very interesting proposal. We will post a link to it. Please review it as well. And... Uh, uh, I think it deserves a lot of attention. So, um, yeah, I Audrey, how are you doing? Hi, hi, I'm doing uh, very good, thank you, and um, thank you for uh, for the introduction. Uh, I'm uh, very uh, very happy to be uh, to be here with you, and I hope uh, to uh, enlighten some of you uh, uh, with uh, all these uh, regulatory things that is uh, is happening in Europe. Yes, yeah, thanks for uh, taking the time to be with us. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? What are you doing in your daily life? What are your interests? Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, so I am uh, I am a log lawyer by uh, by trade. Uh, I've been working mainly in uh, in uh, technological uh, law, and uh, I specialized in telecommunication, uh, privacy, and uh, now into um, to crypto assets. And uh, so I was, um, I'm not working uh, for a company nor a uh, law firm. I am now doing a lot of uh, freelancing for uh, for small companies, startups, and these kind of things. And uh, I advise them the best way to uh, to uh, mitigate their risk uh, versus uh, their uh, their targets and uh, and their vision. So this is pretty much what I do. And then on the crypto uh, side, I've been uh, 
in crypto for quite uh, quite a long time. Um, I acquired some of my first Bitcoin probably around 2012, end of 2012, and since then I've been hooked uh, by the by the the fields like uh, a lot of you, I guess. And also the the funny thing is that I was uh, I was around being uh, at the at the moment of uh, mainnet launch. And uh, then, unfortunately, I had other things to uh, to deal with, and I kind of forget about it. Um, so, yeah, this is what I can tell about myself in a few, few words. Oh, it's great. So, uh, yeah, uh, back in 2019, when Beam launched, uh, um, it was, you know, obviously exciting moment for us. Uh, but since then, uh, we've done a lot of things. So we will just, kind of, in two sentences, bring you up to speed uh, of what happened uh, to Beam and... Uh, it's very related to the topics that we're going to discuss because one of the most important updates, uh, we had a lot of different updates in many different areas, but I think one of the most uh, relevant ones is the addition of smart contract. So right now you can create uh, decentralized applications. Uh, the smart contracts are during complete, so you can implement any logic you like. And um, Beam is currently the only uh, layer one confidential blockchain with smart contract. So after we have added smart contracts, we have also developed uh, several essential DeFi applications, such as decentralized exchange, uh, confidential stablecoin was developed in cooperation with a third-party company, and uh, uh, it's, it's algorithmic stablecoin works like similar to MakerDAO or probably some or Liquidity. Yeah. Um, so we have a uh, kind of very uh, interesting. DeFi ecosystem, which is based on and works on top of confidential uh, blockchain. So yeah, we, we've we've been doing a lot of interesting things since 2019, and uh, keep doing them now. We even have confidential NFTs. So if you want to sell your NFT without anyone knowing to whom you sold, uh, you can do it on Beam. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, so the first kind of question or Basically, it's the article that will appear today, and uh, this is what uh, sparked this uh, today's discussion about this topic. Is uh, you probably saw this article: Binance warning of delisting stablecoins due to MiCA regulation kicking in in uh, July 2024. All right. So I think a lot of people are interested to understand, like, what exactly is the problem with the stablecoins? Like, why uh, why they need to be delisted? Yeah. So, so well, in my uh, in my understanding of um, of uh, the micro regulation and the Binance uh, position is uh, that so for what uh, Mica is saying is that it is going to regulate three types of assets. Um, these three types of assets are what we call asset reference tokens. So these would be tokens that would. Uh, that would be pegged to another value that could be a fiat currency, but could be uh, Bitcoin, ETH, uh, or or real estate or stock, any anything like that. Then um, it will regulate uh, what it calls EMTs, electronic money tokens, and this uh, here is what uh, interests us. So electronic money token tokens are. Uh, asset reference token that are uh, pegged to uh, one uh, currency. 
uh, official currency uh, in the world. So it can be euro, it can be dollar, it can be anything. The thing is that from um, from uh, July 20, uh, June 24, uh, 2024, uh, these stable assets, uh, these stable coins will need to be authorized by uh, the competent authority of one of the member states of the European Union. And nowadays, uh, I think from my knowledge, none of these stable coins are, uh, are authorized nor regulated. So just to make it clear, uh, the process to get an authorization for a stable coin is uh, not an easy one. Here, the, the goal of the European regulator, it's really to, um, to uh, ensure the stability of the financial system in Europe. Um, they have seen what happened and what could have happened with the, the infamous Terra Luna uh, story. And they were afraid to see stable, stable coins to have too much importance and create systemic risk uh, in the economy. So for, for uh, let's say, um, Tether or uh, Circle or all these issuers of stablecoin, for them to get authorized, they will need to follow a lot of uh, requirements. And uh, the main one uh, is, uh, of course, the, the reserve uh, of assets. So meaning that anyone uh, at any moment that is holding, let's say, uh, USDT, will be able to go to, uh, to Tether uh, and ask them for $1, uh, fiat dollar. And today we don't know exactly how it works for them. Maybe it's a little bit uh, clearer for USDC, but to date they are they are not compliant with the with the regulation and they don't have the authorization uh, from uh, any competent uh, authorities. Uh, I hope it I'm clear because it's uh, it's quite a complicated topic. No, you, and if you have questions, just yeah, you, you are clear, but. I have a question. Does this regulation also apply to collateralized stablecoins like uh, DAI or equity? Yes. So the, the thing is that the regulation um, says two things. So um, it says, well, it, it's quite tricky because they take the problem uh, the other way around. What they're saying is that a, an electronic money token is uh, the equivalent uh, of normal electronic money. So electronic money, it's something that is already regulated uh, in Europe. And you have some actors that have licenses like uh, PayPal, uh, Revolut, and all these actors. And you have, of course, much more uh, that are uh, authorized to issue uh, e-money. Uh, so not e-money token, just e-money. And these actors, if uh, they want, they could easily um, they could easily uh, issue a, an e-money token because the uh, legal requirements that are asked for e-money tokens are the same as for e-money. So that's just for for the context. However, um, the 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 regulation also says that 
if you want to be qualified as an EMT, you need to be authorized and you need to look like an electronic money. But it does not mean that uh, you cannot have some stable coin that are pegged to an official currency that are just what we call asset reference token, but don't have the attributes of e-money. So I think, uh, but this would be uh, then to be confirmed uh, with uh, the regulator and with whatever is going to happen in the next few years. But I do believe that first, um, an asset like DAI will be considered as uh, what we call an ART, asset reference token, but will not be considered as an EMT, an e-money token. And this uh, will make uh, quite a big difference because then the plan for uh, the European uh, uh, Union is to say, okay, but if you want to be able to make payment on a day-to-day -day basis uh, using a credit card, you will need to use an EMT. You will not be able to use an uh, uh, asset reference token, even though it is pegged to an official currency, but does not have the attribute of e-money. Does that does it make yeah, sense? Yeah, this, this is actually very interesting. Um, yeah, so basically, even if you have something that is essentially a, uh, a dollar or a euro, but you cannot use it as a dollar because, well, it falls under a different regulation category. It's regulated differently, so you cannot use it in day-to-day -day payments. Exactly. However, you can use it then for uh, on like as a financial stream instrument uh, to edge some positions, to do some investments, but uh, they might not then authorize a uh, payment provider to use this uh, stable asset, even though it really looks like a normal stable coin. Uh, they may not allow it to uh, to be used. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny, but. I think this is this is really key because here the the spirit of uh, of the regulation uh, when I say spirit is the the why it's really about protecting uh, the uh, the eurozone from a potential private uh, money, yes. right? And and then we agree or we don't agree with this uh, this posture. Uh, this is what it is now, and and that's what we have to deal with. Yeah, I I understand. Uh, by the way, uh, we're here with Gus. Gus is hosting. Gus, uh, he appears as Beam Privacy in the chat. But uh, Gus, if you have any questions, uh, you know, please go ahead while I will gather my breath and thoughts. Also, absolutely, we will jump in with any questions I have. <laughs> okay. Um, and also, we are online here with the Bing community on Telegram. So, uh, if somebody wants to ask any question, please do so um, in Telegram. I don't know if uh, Gus, you're monitoring Twitter, then maybe questions come from there as well. We will ask them. So, okay. So, um, one of the reasons, like kind of moving on to a, a little bit different topic, but uh, also very much related to, uh, to Mika and uh, uh, how does the entire kind of regulation address this uh, topic of privacy or lack of privacy with current uh, blockchain implementations? Uh, well, it's uh, it's uh, it's a very very simple. There's a, there's just one or 
article that says that uh, all the activities uh, that are um, mentioned in the MICA regulation uh, must be subject to the GDPR whenever uh, relevant. So they did not go too much into details. Then they give also some um, some details that are a little bit out of scope. It how the authorities uh, will this will, will uh, deal uh, with personal data of uh, users and consumers, but that's really on the side. So the the MICA regulation, I think, did not want to 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 go too deep. Uh, into this uh, this problem uh, because it is a big problem. How how does a, a permissionless public uh, chain can uh, can reconcile uh, with uh, with the the requirement of uh, GDPR? And and actually, before that call, I went to look uh, a little bit more. Uh, so there are some processes when the European Union has to uh, create uh, regulations or directives. Uh, they usually need to um, to consult uh, other authorities, and actually here they went to consult the uh, EU uh, Data Protection Supervisor. So it's um, it's a European institution that is here to um, to uh, to supervise the implementation of uh, of the GDPR uh, by uh, by the European Union, and. This um, this authority, the the DPS, they uh, they said three things uh, which are quite interesting. Um, they said first of all, uh, we really need a much broader reflection about the implication and the contradictions between uh, blockchain technology and um, and privacy requirement uh, in the union. So, just that first point shows that. Uh, the institutions, European institutions, are still talking about the subject, and and that for now it's not the priority. I think the priority it's really to uh, to implement the the digital financial package, uh, out of which Micah is part, and and they just pushed a little bit the privacy thing on the side. Um, then. Uh, they did recommend one point that would have been uh, quite uh, quite interesting. They said um, that we should design designate the issuer of a token as uh, the controller of um, of personal data. So um, I don't know what's the company behind the Beam, uh, if it's Beam. Um, so in in that case, the company behind Beam. Will be uh, the company that would be uh, that would be uh, held liable uh, in front of the GDPR for uh, any. Well, it's not the case with Beam because it's all private, so the example is not uh, is not completely accurate. Um, but the idea is to say, yeah, that the company or the foundation or whoever that is issuing the token will be held liable as the controller of the personal data. So that was a very interesting point uh, that they uh, they did recommend, and actually uh, they just <laughs> recommended it, and uh, nothing uh, took any position on this, and it does not appear anywhere in uh, in my gut. Because here we have another problem: uh, the issuer of a token. So um, let's take uh, Ethereum; it will be easier. Um, the issuer of an 
ERC20 token might not be completely, uh, might not be the controller of the data that is stored on the Ethereum blockchain. Maybe that would be more the, the, the Ethereum foundation. Um, these are just speculations, of course, because now there are no proper uh, regulatory uh, points. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, go for no, it. No. Yeah, just the, the third point is very, uh, very brief, very quick. Actually, uh, one thing they did recommend, and uh, actually I would recommend all my clients and all the people that are working uh, in building projects in, uh, in crypto is to say uh, they recommend to um, educate uh, the consumers, the users, by putting some disclaimers in the white papers, in the documentation, to explain to people uh, what is a what is a blockchain and 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 especially if the blockchain is permissionless and public um, that the data are immutable and can be seen by uh, by everyone. So that was the third point, uh, the third recommendation. Uh, so amazing. So thank you very much. Great, great answer and uh, very important. So I have like two kind of different lines here. So I will start with the privacy one because. Uh, Obviously, as somebody who is working in, in the industry for many years, uh, I'm familiar with the GDPR from the, uh, let's say, uh, you know, development company side, like whenever there is a need to establish uh, some database and store user data, obviously it needs to be compliant if it's ever to sort data from European users. And um, uh, there are very, I would say today, like, uh, Clear definitions, mostly, obviously, you need to hire an expert who actually really, really understands what's going on in order to avoid all, all of the problems. But uh, I think that when uh, somebody says, like, user uh, data, they mostly refer to, uh, you know, personal data, name and address and uh, status and all, all of these uh, personalized data. And that's why, for example, there is a process which is in many cases not very effective, but uh, so-called data anonymization. And this yeah. data is anonymized by removing uh, this personal, personally identifiable uh, data. However, it's also a well-known fact that in many cases, this data, even without these properties, can be uh, correlated together and analyzed and still leads to uh, fairly reliable identification of the person who created yeah. the data. So the reason I ask is because one of the most, uh, I would say, um, common ways of uh, regulating blockchains today, and I'm talking about uh, anti-money laundering regulations and such, is what's called the blockchain analysis. And there are huge companies uh, that specialize in that, Chainalysis, Elliptic, and such. Yeah. And the reason this analysis is possible is financial transactions are a very large part of our identity. Yeah. So... The reason I ask is, is there any um, uh, kind of uh, reference or attempt to understand the fact that when you are using a completely transparent blockchain, you actually provide a lot of all of your financial information to completely in public, and that in turn is uh, severely impacting your um, kind of data protection or identity protection. So that that's kind of the question. Um, 
the the I would say that today, uh, the at least in in, in the EU, uh, the point is known. Uh, the institutions have acknowledged that uh, already in uh, 2019, uh, the European Parliament uh, published uh, published a study um, about blockchain and GDPR, and this is exactly uh, exactly what they were talking about. The whole financial identity of um, of the of the user uh, but also they go they go much further because uh, tomorrow we can really imagine imagine having everything uh on on, on the blockchain not just the financial information but there is today i guess only discussions uh on the on the subject knowing that uh the priority, and we can see it in the news uh, every day. The priority, and as you said before, is really to uh, to go against uh, money laundering, um, uh, terrorist financing, uh, and all these uh, these malicious things. So, I think that somehow, uh, and this is very personal opinion. Uh, once again, don't take it as a legal advice or anything. But but here. Um, the regulators are kind of happy with the status quo because on one hand, yeah, it's not good for privacy, but anyway, uh, in our world today, privacy is going down every day and uh, we just want to tax people and we need to understand where the money is coming from and where it's going and um, and we need to tax people. So, so unfortunately, this is where we are and, and they're not much um, regulatory or legal things to, uh, to to deal with this yet. Yeah, we 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 we, are, we feel we, we feel that uh, sentiment every day. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> as, uh, uh, as the you know developers and the kind of uh, uh, in many cases like uh, also advocates of privacy and privacy enabling technology. Uh, this is exactly the situation that we encounter on a daily basis where instead of focusing on the benefits that privacy provides for uh, individuals, companies, and like economy in general, uh, usually it's very quickly asso associated. Uh, the word itself even uh, sometimes uh, interpreted in kind of exclusively negative context. And sometimes I I've heard people saying like, oh, no, no, I don't need privacy. I don't have nothing to hide. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, and one yeah. interesting thing that's happening today is that despite that, uh, we see that corporations, companies that want to uh, operate in decentralized markets, they don't want their competitors to know what they're doing. They, it's not about paying taxes necessarily. It's more about competition, front running, uh, and such. Yeah. So they do want privacy. And what's happening right now in, in this industry is that uh, you have this uh, interesting kind of uh, conversion to... Uh, what I call it, like a big guy privacy, right? So uh, other people cannot see, but the government or some organizations, financial organizations or regulators, they want to uh, see all the transactions, they can do it. So it's very similar to how the existing banking system works in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is what is happening with layer twos, uh, all kinds of like VK rollups, etc. And uh, this gains popularity. 
And on the opposite side, the small guy privacy, like the Monero style or like something that uh, says anyone deserves uh, their transactions to be private, uh, this is something that uh, uh, gets usually kind of attacked or uh, you know prohibited or blocked, uh, sanctioned, whatever. Um, so the question is that like uh, you know there is a, a lot of talk about CBDCs right now. Yeah, of course. And uh, uh, I think that like privacy is a part of this discussion, and we we already have uh, a lot of existing uh, regulations that talk about uh, cash. You cannot. Uh, Transact. You cannot buy something for too much cash, right? It's limited to yeah uh, some amount. You you, can, you I don't know if you have in Europe laws of how many how much cash you can store. Oh yeah, okay. yeah yeah. Okay, so yeah, um, I, I'm I'm in Israel, so yeah, we have that as well. But uh, somehow both of us uh, are not in the EU right now, uh, which is which is funny because yeah, guys, in I am I am in the EU. Yeah, you are. You are. No, I mean, guys, yeah. Ah, okay, okay. He used to be, but uh, they they left. Anyway, <laughs> so th the question is, uh, when when there is a talk about like in general about CBDCs or about using uh, uh, electronic money, as you said, uh, on public blockchain, is the sentiment right now to use the same kind of approach? And after that, I will ask, like, I will say why asking the question to uh, talk about like limited amounts uh, for transactions are, are okay to be private or things like that. So is the regulation going in the way of basically applying existing cash rules to digital assets or is it something different? Um, um, well, I, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer. Yes and no. Um, so in the philosophy, uh, yes, because the idea is to control where the money is coming from and just to be sure to tax that money at every level possible. Then uh, saying like, saying, yeah, we cannot withdraw uh, that much cash or we cannot make a purchase with that much, ca that much uh, cash, uh, actually this type of provisions just become obsolete with uh, with CBDC because because it would be just like what you have on your credit card, right? Um, then from what I've heard and read, uh, they are saying, uh, well, some authorities are concerned uh, about uh, about the 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 privacy uh, around CBDC and that the, the government will have um, more and more uh, power to control. We are not even talking about the program programmability of the, of the, of the coins. Um, and <laughs> I'm not very uh, optimist uh, on, the, on CBDC and privacy. And, uh, and this is why I think, uh, I think we will the both systems of public money, CBDC and private money, all the other ones uh, to um, live together and develop in parallel and see uh, which one going to win. But I mean, let's, let's not be naive. Uh, I don't want to say the plan, but the goal is really, is really about, about controlling everything. And uh, and we see more and more of uh, of our politicians 
um, in uh, in developed countries uh, to just look uh, at the China's experiment uh, with these uh, with these eyes of uh, I wanted to out. Um, so is uh, yeah, it's 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 an opinion. It's very personal opinion, but this is how I feel, how I sense it. Um, each day, uh, each day, we hear more and more uh, about uh, about how CBDC will um, be used to control. I mean, even from high level uh, people, authorities, uh, elected or not. So I think this is where where we are going, and uh, and uh, and it's for sure all all the rules that are constraining the use of money. Uh, today will be uh, will be translated uh, tomorrow. Maybe this is sure. That's not good. No, no, no. I, I mean, I mean. <laughs> once again, uh, I will um, I will share my uh, my opinion. Now we are really at the moment um, in uh, in history where uh, we uh, we uh, we can witness the competition of uh, public money, public financial system uh, with new forms of money, private money, thanks to, uh, thanks to, uh, to blockchain. And, um, and this, uh, this competition uh, will, be, uh, will, be, uh, will be strong. I mean, when, you, when we look at MICA and the fact that uh, they are giving a very specific attention to um, electronic money token uh, really shows that that what is uh, wanted is uh, is control because at the end of the day the once uh, you are authorized as an uh, issuer of uh, e-money token it's like if you were a revolut or paypal or this other uh, type of uh, neo bank and or wise uh, and and these uh, these companies okay they are private companies but at the end of the day, they just play by the rule of the financial system, and they have to um, they have to uh, to comply with uh, with uh, rules that are uh, are more and more stringent. Um, I do remember Wise uh, at the beginning uh, at the beginning of their them uh, transfer Wise at the time uh, providing service. It was quite loose, but because it was a startup, as soon as they be- become bigger. No, they have to play uh, to play by the rules, and and so these e-money tokens is really to uh, to try to uh, to um, to take over uh, the whole stablecoin thing. Because imagine you are a government or you are the European Union, and you and you see that people prefer to transact in private uh, USDT or private USDC or decentralized private uh, Dai. Um, of course, you're gonna worry because because you don't have any more control. So I think today we are we are here and uh, and we will see how things uh, evolve. Um, I'm very optimistic though on the whole crypto and people like you, the real true builders of the new world. I mean, uh, no, yeah, I, I hope we, we are optimistic as well because you know we were here and we we're building. So uh, if if it's okay, I will kind of ask a couple of more questions. Is it fine? Yeah, 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 of course. So, um, one of the reasons that I'm like really interested in in this uh, line of thought is because, <clears throat> so obviously there are always people that say, uh, you know, screw the government, and uh, I will use Monero. Nobody will know anything about me, but and it's fine. It's like it's okay. We 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 love them. 
But also there are people who say, okay, let's say we do want to uh, figure out a way of both of these things coexisting with the regulation. And uh, we do want to uh, preserve the essential properties of crypto that, uh, you know, got it started in the first place in back in 2008 and 2009 uh, with Bitcoin, mainly decentralization uh, and uh, direct transactions without intermediary. So the reason it creates immediately a problem is because the entire financial, especially source of funds regulation is based on the fact that you do not interact directly. You always do it through a bank or another regulated entity. So there is always a middleman which is responsible. And the, the, the regulators, they come to the bank and they say, wait a second, you have to show us all of the input, like influx of money, where it comes from, the source of funds. And you need to make sure that it also comes from regulated entity. And this creates this sort of relatively closed ecosystem where the money is mostly moved between banks. Each of them is regulated. Obviously, not all the banks are the same, but in general. Now, crypto, uh, because of the decentralization and because of like absolute globalization, I can send uh, Ethereum right now to another end of the world and it will be there like in, in 15 seconds directly to another person without any intermediary. So this mm -hmm. creates a very big uh, trade-off. So you need to understand like, how to how to um, resolve that because I don't want to go through a bank, even if I want to be regulated, if I, I want to be compliant, I'm a business, I'm a legitimate business, I have no problems, I pay my taxes, mm -hmm. but I want to pay my provider directly and I don't want to go to a bank and then another bank because today, as you know, uh, international money transfer is a big pain, both in terms of time and then fees and it's very, it's yeah. very yeah. and cumbersome and but on the other hand i i want to comply with regulations so i don't want to send money to sanctioned entities i i, I just want to do my regular transaction right okay. so this is kind of you probably hear like a lot of different ideas recently there was this paper published with uh, vitalik buterin and several co-authors talking about, about that and this is uh i think one of the kind of more um pragmatic approaches uh, of, of this group of people who say, okay, how, how to make these things work? And my question here is, because right now, most of these people try to make it work with the current regulation. Like basically the right. way that banks were regulated, let's take crypto and move it uh, or like restructure it in a way that it will uh, use the same regulation. But in my opinion, it's not a good idea. In my opinion, it's a much better idea to have a new type of regulation, which is better suited for decentralized system with direct uh, transactions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously crypto is not big enough. There is not big enough lobby to, to make this change. But in your opinion, is it something like possible to, to kind of move the regulation in that direction? I, I do think so. Um, I do think so because, uh, especially because of of influential people in the in the field, uh, like Vitalik or others, uh, they are trying to find they try to to find solutions. But also, if you look uh, in Europe once again, if you look at the the, the Mika regulation, you can see that that regulation has been crafted to uh, mainly target centralized 
platforms and entities, either their exchanges, funds, um, custody services, um, and 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 whatever else uh, crypto service providers. They do talk about the issuance of tokens, but they always see it as the token has been issued by someone, by an entity, by an association, or maybe eventually by a DAO. But the whole regulation is, I want to say, a, a, a centralized layer of regulation on top of the decentralized one. Let's talk in crypto terms. So this will apply to Binance. And this is why Binance uh, is uh, is reacting that way. This will apply to Coinbase. This will apply to whatever found or whatever. And what the regulation is saying, they're saying, okay, we are giving ourselves a couple of years to study what exactly is DeFi. What is decentralization? How these... Um, decentralized ledger work and we will come with a report we will come with consultation public consultation and then we will try to craft uh, to craft something that is both um, adaptable to that is yeah takes takes the need of the traditional uh, financial regulation but adapts it uh, in a flexible way to uh, to um, to decentralize finance and 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 create new type of rules and actually this is also what we can see from uh, other um, other uh, institutions that one is called IOSCO IOSCO I don't remember exactly what it means but I think it's like the International Association of Securities thing. And uh, they just published something a few days ago, and that's what they're saying. They're saying, "Okay, let's let's innovate. Let's talk to um, to these actors of the decentralized world, and let's see how we can find, um, yeah, how how we can agree on what we should do later." So I I think we will get there, but it will be very important to have. Um, the decentralized actors and and some lobbies also uh, to uh, to make sure that uh, these new uh, rules are flexible enough to uh, to encompass whatever possibility crypto and blockchain brings because we don't want to be stuck into some positive law that uh, tells you you cannot do this you cannot do that while actually the regulation the the technology just goes too fast right absolutely yeah. um and. I had, if yeah, if you had two minutes, just to give you an example, um, I had this uh, this guy. He came, uh, he came to me. So it's, he came to me to tell me, okay, uh, look, I, I want to emit a a a, a VRAT, uh, ETH, uh, ether, so W E T H, and but the problem is that if I do that in Europe, I will be under the asset reference token. Uh, rule and then I have so many obligations. I need to have like a super high capital to uh, start my business. Uh, this kind of things. And then we discuss a little bit together. Him is like a techie guy, and with my understanding of the of the of the tech, 
Then we were like, okay, but we don't know how it works. So who is going to be regulated? Who is the person that issue this uh, stable coin that is pegged to um, to Ether? Is it um, that independent developer that uh, published the contract? Is it the user that deposits a collateral in the contract to get the wrap mm -hmm. version? Or is it the smart contract itself? Mm -hmm. And this is not answered today by the regulation. But I do think that it is on purpose because it's clearly DeFi, mm -hmm. right? This is the base, the, the, yeah, the foundation of DeFi. Oh. And, and I think what they want to see is how people are going to deal with what they have drafted already and, and see how, how this can be adapted to, uh, to what's coming. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it also creates some uncertainty and maybe will, uh, you know, some, some people or companies will, uh, wait before, like for more clarity before actually emitting their token, especially if it's in something like, you know, the large of amount course. of money. I, I will read my token and then it will turn out that I am responsible. So now what? Of course, but it was already the case before we knew regulation was coming. And, and the thing is that also what, what I told that, that very person is that, look, go for it. Anyway, there are some loopholes and if you're a small developer, uh, you can go out of the regulation. There are ways, um, there are exceptions, exemptions. But then if you start to design your product or your service with these requirements in mind, the day it comes to regulation, you can show, you can say, yeah, but look, um, we develop it that way, that way, that way. And actually, um, since we did it that way, we do um, uh, comply with that part of the regulation. So then it's really about, about planning uh, and, and mitigating potential future regulatory risk, at least we have something, we have some foundation to work on. It's not like before that text, uh, Micah uh, here, like we had nothing and people were just creating things and, uh, and tomorrow they might, they might be, uh, they might be in trouble. Oh, I understand that today, if you want to, uh, emit a new token or like there's a new project, you need to submit the white paper for review before. Yeah, well, depends. Depends on the type of uh, token. If your token is not an asset reference token or a e-money token, you just need to notify uh, the white paper. So it means that once you've done your white paper and you put all the disclaimers inside that uh, they ask you to, to do, you send it to whatever platform uh, of the, uh, the authority of the country, and that's mm -hmm. it. But if it's an asset reference token, so it means a token that is pegged to something else, and even more if it's an EMT, uh, yeah, you have to uh, provide the white paper and you have to be authorized, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, for instance, the Beam um, coin itself would just require uh, to notify the white paper, but the um, stable coin you were mentioning um, uh, earlier uh, that is on the, on the beam network 
this one would require an authorization with the white paper to be approved, et cetera, et cetera. Very interesting. Thank, thank you very much. Uh, oh, you're welcome. Do you have any questions or did you see any from, from the community? Everybody is very quiet, listening probably. Yeah, maybe it's a lot of uh, legal, uh, legal, uh, complex stuff. <laughs> for for yeah, for me, it definitely is. <laughs> but I've I've very much enjoyed uh, getting getting this side of it, which I I don't often delve into. Uh, Audren, I have a question that's maybe less technical and and specific, uh, but it's something that's come up a little bit in terms of like DeFi and, and when Tornado Cash was going through some of their troubles and this kind of thing. Uh, and, and there was talk of like a kind of a regulated DeFi and an unregulated DeFi and one will kind of be sandboxed into the regulatory stuff and would only interact in, in its own kind of uh, senses, for lack of a better word. Uh, and then an unregulated Wild West, which kind of we've had like the the past years. And and do you personally see this as as something that may come to fruition, where we have like a a somewhat segmented kind of space in terms of regulation adherers and and those that are kind of operating outside of of the regulatory guidelines. Or not? Uh, yeah, that's that's a very good uh, good question. Very interesting. Actually, I do I do think we're gonna have uh, two two systems, and these two systems will not necessarily be in silo. Um, uh, like today, let's take basic example. Today, uh, I can uh, have a subscription to Netflix. Let's say and uh, go on torrent to get some um, content from Amazon or whatever other provider. See here, we have these two worlds that exist, even though this whole Netflix thing was really the answer against, um, against uh, content uh, piracy, right? Um, another example would be like the dark web, Tor and the I2P, all these networks that are there they do exist and people are using them for good things and for bad things and but the thing is that most of the people don't even understand what it is don't know that they exist so you you will have the normal users like i don't want to say my mom because even though i tell her about crypto it's not that easy and then you will have the power users um i can I can easily see uh, the uh, so these regular regulated uh, regulated sorry um, uh, DeFi on one side where you do all the good things where the companies are doing their own DeFi and maybe like uh, the services that are provided by Beam can be very interesting. We can still have some privacy, uh, and on the other side where people do black market and and you will easily find people to uh, to accept your coins that even though maybe they're tainted, maybe they're monerol, maybe they're, but they will be accepted and OFAC or no OFAC, um, you will have this, uh, this, uh, these networks. Then, yeah, I, that's how I see things. 
That's how I, I would never have pirated anything if Netflix wouldn't remove TV shows in the middle that I'm watching them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you very much. Uh, do you have any, appreciate any, any more questions, Gus? From me, that's, that's about it. Yeah. So yeah, in that case, uh, Od Odlan, thank you very much for joining us and, uh, uh you know, thank you all of these very nuanced and it was very important for our community and us to, to learn about the thing. So you're very, you're very welcome. Thank you for, uh, for having me. And, um, uh, I think, I think it's really time for, uh, for people to understand uh, what's coming, all these regulation, what we can do. And, uh, and I think, uh, I think, uh, we should be very hopeful and having builders like you that providing solutions. And because let's not forget that regulations also come from practice, comes from auto regulation, and uh, and we need we need to have these we need to have these real life examples to show the regulator look it does work, let's go for it. Oh, absolutely, and uh, I always say that we need more and more education about these subjects. So that's what we're doing here today, and I hope people who are listening now and will listen to the recording will will learn something. So thank you very much again. And, uh, thank you. Yeah. Have a, have a great, uh, evening. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right. Thank you. Um, it's been awesome. Um, so <laughs> yeah, before we join and it's really been uh, very educational, I, like I learned a lot, um, I, next week, obviously the space at the usual time, uh, we have a very interesting article to go, uh, over that was sent to me, uh, by DB, I think from the community. Uh, it's also from Economist, and it talks about uh, regulation in the United States and uh, how it uh, kind of developed uh, to, to approach uh, DeFi and uh, which uh, methods of regulation uh, are going to be like applied or they're thinking about applying to DeFi. So that's something that we will also talk about, obviously, in addition to our regular BIM update. Um, so yeah, a lot of content is also coming next week, so stay tuned. And uh, for now, have a great weekend. Uh, you know, see you next time. Thank you so much, Alex, and and thank you, Audran, for joining and, and very enlightening. Yeah, very interesting. Special thanks to Mimo who organized this and uh, made the introduction. So amazing community, keep it up, and bye for now. See you soon. Bye bye.